Hello and welcome back to Flash Knockdown. It's season four, episode number seven. We're back at Matchroom HQ this week. I'm your host, Jamie Ward, alongside producer Scott Hamilton, as always. And here's what we have coming up for you all on today's show. We've heard Adam Azim do the media rounds this week, but now it's time for Thunder. Dalton Smith to take the mic. First things first, it's Jose Zapeda, though, on March 23rd. We hear from the special one as well, Sivanati Nonchinga, who talks defeat and the rematch with Adrian Suriel. Our good friend and DAZN colleague, Ade Oladipo, makes his flash knockdown debut to run over the best thing to happen in boxing last week. Two fights, two wins. It's a perfect start to life in the pro game for Giorgio Vizioli, but how well... Does he know Mark Tibbs? Great show coming up, so don't go anywhere. Well, coming up now on the best thing to happen in boxing last week is our good friend, broadcast partner, of course, Mr. Ade Oladipo, someone who I've been trying to get on the Flash Knockdown podcast for quite a while now, but he's such a busy man, which is a credit to himself. But finally, I've, I've tracked him down. Ade, how are you? It's funny how you say I'm a busy man, Jamie, because I feel like you're the busiest man in show business right now. I mean, you do absolutely everything. Uh, I just want to quickly say well done to you as well in the last, sort of, what, six to 12 months, the way your career has just gone sort of sky high. And not just that. I mean, it's one thing going sky high, but it's being good at it as well. And you, my man, are bloody good at what you do. This is getting cut out, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know. thank you very much. Also, I've got your, uh, your PayPal um, your PayPal details you. here, so I'll uh, I'll send you. Hundred quid for that as well, <laughs> by the way. That's not a cheap compliment. That's hundred quid. That was like a little free cameo. Thank you very much, mate. I appreciate that. It's always great working with yourself as well. You're someone that I've learned a lot from. I do want to ask you, what what does a fight week look for you when it's not a fight week? Because I know you're obviously on Talk Sport, but busy day to day. Yeah, so I, I'm I'm lucky enough to have a daily Talk Sport show, so I kind of jump in between Talk Sport and Talk Sport Two. Um, and it's weird because boxing, apart from Tuesdays where I do uh, a podcast for TalkSport with Gareth, boxing almost gets parked um, on TalkSport. As you know, it's so football, football, football. And we try to kind of get boxing in there as much as we can. But predominantly, I'd say Monday to Friday is football. Obviously, I do my own YouTube channel where I kind of chuck videos out daily, which is about boxing. So I've got my ear to the ground with boxing all the time. But it's trying to juggle boxing, football, and whatever else talks ball throws at you, so it could be rugby, it could be cricket, it could be a bit of athletics. But uh, predominantly, I'd say 60% of my week, if not in a fight week, is probably down to football. Well, I know you're a big Liverpool fan. No doubt you'll be buzzing two points clear at the top of the Premier League table. With a, uh, I think City have a game in hand, actually, don't they? So we'll see how that pans yeah, they out. Do. How does it compare for you? Because I know like you are one of the most excitable men in the arena. When David Diamante gets in the ring. You're always like, you're grabbing people's legs next to you, like when he's doing the fight starts now. I know you're absolutely buzzing. So what, how does it compare for you? Maybe if you take Liverpool and the emotional attachment out of it, how does it compare for you if you're, if you're in a football stadium and you're covering a football game, which you've been doing recently brilliantly on, on Amazon, of course, compared to mm. when you sat ringside for boxing? What gives you more of a buzz? Oh, nothing gives me a buzz more than boxing. Right? Okay. Nothing more than a, a big boxing event. Um, obviously, look, Liverpool is its an emotional connection. My dad kind of made me support the club when I was young, so I've grown up with it. And don't get me wrong, when Liverpool are in a massive game, even a small game, there is an excitement level, but there's also that kind of fear as well, like, please don't lose, please don't lose. But boxing, when 
and you've been there with me, when it's an incredible crowd, like we've been lucky enough to be like Chantel Cameron, Katie Taylor in Ireland. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Any Josh Warrington fight, any Lee Wood fight, and even some of the smaller ones, like we were at the Indigo on the weekend. I don't think there's anything more exciting than when that first bell rings and you know it's going to be a good one. Like sometimes, and it's hard for the matchmakers, they put fights together and it just doesn't work. But sometimes you just know it's going to deliver. And I don't think there's anything better than that. I always tweet about it, that kind of feeling in the pit of my stomach when you know it's about to happen. And look, we're so lucky. We're, we're as close as you can get. Like You can't buy a ticket for where we sit. So to be that lucky and that privileged to be, what are we, a couple of metres away from the action? Yeah. Nothing beats that, nothing. Do you know what? When you say about you can't buy a ticket for where we're sitting, I mean, for the, the last show at the Indigo last weekend, it was bizarre, wasn't it? We were up on the stage. <laughs> the apron was only about, I don't know, like a foot tall. It was like an old amateur. Hey, mate, you, you got blood splattered on you. That's how close <laughs> we were. Like from nowhere, I think it was even a lot of your Dobson, but a bit of blood was over you. So that, that's how close. We are, and yeah, you're right. I mean, that Indigo one was unique. I remember walking in thinking, I ain't sure about this. But then eventually, it was almost gladiatorial with the kind of fans above and some fans below and the fighters there. I wonder, I haven't spoke to a fighter yet. I think I briefly spoke to Craig Richards, but what's it like for the fighters being in that kind of environment? But for us, I mean, that's incredible. And hopefully, it's a venue we use a lot going forward now because I think it was fantastic. Was that the type of fighter, though, that main event, Reese Pelotti, Liam Dillon, when you look at the tempo that was set from the opening bell for 36 minutes, the shots that were raining in, is that the type of fight that just reaffirmed it for you, that you're glad you work in boxing, but on a certain side of the ropes? Yeah, that was just sensational. Again, when that one's put together, I didn't mean you were talking to like, this is going to go from the first 30 seconds. There is no feel-out round, right? You hear that term a lot in boxing. This is going to go immediately and I think what it did reaffirm apart from my love for the sport I think it reaffirmed how important the Lonsdale belt is and I kind of said this to Barry Jones and Tony Bellew after we were talking about this on cam and I was like you know in recent years and I get it if you are a top Olympian we've seen them kind of jump and go international route straight away and I almost feel like the Lonsdale belt not through their fault but it's almost been disrespected a little bit that there was two guys, one desperate to keep it, and one in Reese Bellotti, who is now having this Indian summer desperate to get it. And I think that was the perfect advert for the Lonsdale belt. I think we've seen some other fights recently. I think of sort of Nathan Heaney when he won it. And you can see the emotion on his face. Not everyone's going to be a world champion, right? Not everyone's going to go to Vegas and fight for world titles and earn seven figures. But it doesn't matter. That's some of their, some of their targets since they were kids with a Lonsdale belt and I think it was important to see a fight like that. I think it was fantastic. I think you're absolutely bang on. I actually said, I, I bumped into to Robert Smith um, who, who was ringside obviously with, with the British Boxing Board and I said, that I think that fight did, did, did Lord, uh, Lord Lonsdale title proud, Robert didn't and he was like, not mm-hmm. half mate, not half. So I think you're, <laughs> yeah. you're absolutely bang yeah. on. You're bang yeah. on. Ale, we've got some questions in from the fans now so I'm going to hand over to producer Scott who's going to throw some our way. Over to you Scott. Thanks, Jamie. couple of shouts from you guys listening for the best thing to happen in boxing last week. First shout this week is from Luke James, who says Haney versus Garcia being announced. It's a proper fight, but there's only one winner for me, the dream. Well, Ade, I imagine when I talked about your excitement levels, I imagine mm. you cannot wait to be ringside. Will you be ringside? Are you on the plane for that one? I am. I am lucky enough. 
Um, again, that's just, even for me to just say like that, I am like guaranteed. It's just incredible. And look, I mean, the small shows are great, right? I mean, Indigo, York Hall, they're all good shows. Nothing though beats a big fight in Vegas. Nothing. Because it's all week. And you see some of the superstars from other sports. And that's what I love. Because I remember growing up as a kid and you, you, you watch and you look at who's ringside and you see actors, NBA stars, musicians. And that's what Vegas brings to town. And then you've got two top 140-pounders as well. I mean, Devin Haney's doing incredible stuff now. I mean, to go from Loma to Progre to Garcia is solid. And credit to Ryan as well, who's obviously decided he wants to go straight back in with a big guy. I mean, nothing beats the Vegas showdown. And T-Mobile Arena, I think that's where it will be, will be sold out. And that's boxing. And we need that as well. And I'm so happy it's on the zone. And we've just signed, I mean, the 140 division is something we're going to talk about in a moment, but we've just signed, obviously, IBF ruler, Sabriel Matias, who, who is a beast of a mm. fighter. Where, where does he fit in the mix, in your opinion? He's almost a boogeyman, isn't he? He's, he's almost... I, I grew up watching a guy called Antonio Margarita, who was just a boogeyman of 147. And we haven't seen many boogeymen, like, proper over the years. Kovalev is one that springs to mind, Golovkin. Um, in terms of, there's a fear factor there. Like you hear other fighters talk about him, it's like, yeah, you know, let him, let him get another couple of big fights, which basically means I don't want to fight him. Uh, and he fits right at the top. Like he's definitely, as like a title holder, automatically for me, he's a top five guy, could be higher. And as you mentioned, I mean, Matram have sort of signed up nearly all the top 140 fighters apart from Tiafimo. So hopefully, because we've now got the ties, we can get some really big fights, not just in America, Puerto Rico, get him over here potentially as well. We've got Jack Catchall, Obviously, potentially fighting Josh. So there's fights that can be made all over the world, but he is a scary, scary dude. When you can punch like he can punch, it's a problem for anyone. Funny enough, you should say Tiafimo there, Ade. The next shout uh, from various people saying good win for Tiafimo last week and also Keyshawn down at 135 winning. The divisions around there are pretty hot right now. Well, that was a, a decent card, Ade, wasn't it? For I think it was, was it a Thursday night, two men uh, making some noise. But also, I think 19-year-old lightweight prospect, Abdullah Mason moved 12-0. and I'm not sure if you saw that. He's definitely one to I keep did. an eye on as well. But that, um, it seems, you know what you were saying there about Margarito, 147. It seems now from 135 to 140, this is a real golden era, isn't it, would you say? Yeah, it's frightening. Um, and, and by the way, very good card that they put on. And, and I've always said that boxing should be every day. I've, I've never understood why boxing is just 99% a Saturday thing. Um, obviously, we've done a... I remember we did a show on a Sunday, I think it was a Coley at the O2 Arena. So it can happen. People will turn up. So it was good to see boxing on a Thursday. Um, yeah, 135 to 140 is frightening. It's frightening. And not only that, but I think all these guys will follow themselves up to 147. Maybe apart from Tank, because he just doesn't have the size, although... There is a lot of talk about him going to 147 for a super fight. But a lot of those guys at 135, obviously, we've got Andy Cruz as part of the matchroom stable. Um, you think of him and Keyshawn because of the amateur beef there. They could go again eventually. Shakur's probably, for me, the best at 135. And I've been lucky enough to be around him. That guy will land at 147 in the next couple of years. So you're hoping that it isn't just a case of us reeling out names, but hoping that we can start reeling out matchups. We really want to see some big fights. Like it really should be Javante versus Shakur. That should really be it. The top two guys at 135. And so fingers crossed these fights can be made because, I mean, you look, at, you look at the number of fighters in 135, 140, and 147 that can all mix it with each other. And it could be like the next two, three years could be ridiculous. 
Well, it's as if we planned this, because funny enough, you mentioned Andy Cruz. Harley says the best thing to happen in boxing last week was Sam Noakes making it 13 wins, 13 knockouts to win the British lightweight title. He says we need to see the Andy Cruz fight in June. Well, here's a question for you, Ade. The 5v5. I mean, everyone's got their own opinions on what they want to see. I spoke to Eddie during the week, obviously, in the build-up to to the show in London last week on the zone, and he was like, I just don't want to lose. I, I get the feeling that out of all the shows Eddie's promoted... In terms of pride, this is maybe the most important one to him and to Matram. Is there, is there any fights that you want to see on that and he would make if you could pick them out? Uh, yeah, it's funny you, you mentioned that. Because I, I remember speaking to Eddie um, at the Conor Ben show. And I was like, look, surely this is just your UK stable. Like, it's almost cheating to bring your American and Mexican stable and your worldwide stable. And he's like, no, I'm getting anyone I can get. And I was like, that's not fair because Queensbury, let's be honest, is really just the UK stable. Um, one that... One that really jumped out, jumped out at me in the last sort of few days was Amma Williams versus Hamza Shiraz. Yep. Well, I think that would be fireworks immediately. You've got Hamza, who's very long and rangy, but I think we saw against Liam Williams can pop. And Amma, who's athletic and strong. And, you know, you're not quite sure what you're going to get with Amma, but when he's on it, he's on it. And I think both of those guys are got fringe world level on the cusp of a world title fight. So that would be one sort of immediately. I'd love to see Callum Smith back in against Anthony Yard. I know there's a lot of talk about Yard versus Boatsy, but Callum, I think, still has a lot to offer at 175. He's a big 175, as is Anthony Yard. It could be your typical old-school boxer versus puncher. So there are a few. Honestly, there are a few. And, you know, whoever gets that call is going to be lucky. I spoke to Dave Coldwell the other day, and I was like, what's going on with Hopi Price? And they said that he was close, but obviously he's had surgery. So whoever gets that call on the undercard of Bilbo versus Baturbiev, hit jackpot. But think, I guess pressure's on because you've got to win. Do you think you'd like to see Callum Smith versus Yard rather than Craig Richards versus Yard? Because that's one that Eddie seems to want to make. Yeah, you know what it is about Craig? I mean, look, obviously, look, first of all, he's been out of the ring for so long. What was it, 21 months? I think yeah. <laughs> me and you were ringside trying to calculate the months, weren't we? <laughs> <laughs> is it 19? I was, is I was it 20? wrong. Is it, I was wrong is it all week. <laughs> all week I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it might says 21 months is 21 months. Me and you have definitely got it wrong. But, um, I don't know. When I, when I kind of put that question to Tony Bellew and Barry straight after, I said Yard versus uh, Craig Richards. And they're like, maybe one more for Craig. Maybe one more in and around that kind of level that we saw him in on Saturday just to get the sharpness. Because the going against Yard is um, it's a tough ask, I think. So I like Craig a lot. I think Craig's fantastic. I think a fully fit Craig with a couple of fights under the belt with Shane will give Yard some problems. But... I think it's hard after just one camp and one fight in 21 months to go back in there with a big man like Anthony Yard. And the last shout this week is from Darren underscore B336, who says, finally, the savage Alan Babich is back. <laughs> well, I think what we were talking about earlier, that card's on a Sunday, isn't it? Bank holiday. Yep. Uh, bank holiday the next day, that, that Fabio Wardley, Fraser Clark fight as well. It's great to see the savage back, and it's great to see what we were saying about the British title, are they? This is a proper tear-up, this one, isn't it, with Fabio and Fraze? Oh, mate. This is. This is it. Like, you know, it's weird because, obviously, look, we're the zone, we're matchroom, and you beg to see these fights on our shows, don't you? But ultimately, as, as fight fans, you just want to see them happen. Um, and I'm so happy to see this one happening. Um, look, it's a great fight between two guys that can hit, two big heavyweights as well. Um, as Fraser, I think I saw Fabio say something about Fraser the other day, like he's had a long career. Although 
not along as a pro. You look at him as an amateur, all the sparring wars he's had. It is a long career. Whereas Fabio, Fabio's quite fresh. When you hear him speak, you see him fight, he's quite fresh. He's been in a couple of tough ones, but ultimately he's proven himself. So yeah, it's a great one. It is good to see the Savage back as well. Um, Boxer seems to be adding sort of more fights to it. I think Ben Whitaker's on that card as well now. Um, he's now back up at heavyweight, the Savage. He's undersized, really. In the land of the Giants, he's undersized heavyweight. Obviously, look, he, he tried at Bridgeweight. It didn't quite work out for him, but it's good to see him back. He's entertaining. The sport isn't just about guys getting in the ring. It's about the whole fight week. And you know Alan will sell that completely. He'll take over, grab a mic from a chair, do something. And it's good to see him back. And I'm happy he's taken a long time out of the ring as well. Um, you know, we love the sport, but there are dangers to it. And sometimes I think it is good for fire just to take, just to press the pause button, press the pause button, have a rest and come back re-energized. And I think watching these interviews all week, he, he, he's definitely that. Absolutely. And he's got a new team as well out in Ireland with Pascal Collins training alongside Thomas Carty as well. So interested to see oh, this, well, this new sparring. phase. Yeah, good sparring. I'd like to watch it. Listen, Ade, I could sit here and talk to you for, for as long as you'd have us, mate, to be honest. I want more. I want more. I know. I know. You know what? Once you get going in these type of conversations, you just want to carry on. There you go. See, you're busy already and you want to give yourself more work. <laughs> Absolutely. Never too busy, mate. We love it, really, don't we? We're lucky. We certainly do. We certainly do. We are lucky to do what we do. Well, Ade, thanks so much for coming on, my friend. I'm so glad I finally did manage uh, to get you on. We'll catch up soon. I'm trying to think when the next show is. Uh, probably the next one I'll AJ. see you at will be AJ Maybe and Garner. Maybe do something with AJ and Garner. We're both there, aren't we? So that Absolutely. we could do something then. It's special. Absolutely. I look forward to catching up with you there, mate. Cheers, gents. Cheers, Ade. Top man. Thank you, Thanks. Well, a little bit earlier this week, I popped up to the thriving Steel City Gym in Sheffield for a content shoot with Mr. Dalton Smith. As soon as his sparring had finished, he jumped out, he sat down with me on the side of the ring apron and we had a little chat. Here's what Thunder had to say. Well, delighted to be joined by Dalton Smith. Uh, Dalton just wrapped up sparring. We've got a busy day of filming ahead of us as well. Before we talk about quite a lot of stuff actually to, to get through how are you and how's everything going yeah same old good good as ever um, like you say camp life training hard eat sleep train repeating it now I know you're very sensible with your financial gain from this sport you've built yourself a house here in the wonderful steel city of Sheffield you've got yourself a trophy cabinet are the, are the belts on display now the new belts yeah finally I've got the belts in the little pigeonholes so there's a few more there's a few spare so I need to fill them off as well that British title, obviously, I know your granddad, probably more than you, wanted you to win that belt outright. So how proud is it that you're able to have that on display? Yeah, it's just, it's just nice to see. Um, obviously, I forget it's there most of the time. And I'm like, bloody hell, is the British title in, in that um, little pigeonhole thing. But yeah, it's, it's, it's good. It's nice. A little bit of history was made. Um, and like I say, I've got that Brit British belt for keeps. Um, it, it'll be something I can always look back on, show my future kids and um, stuff like that. So yeah, I'm proud of it. Your granddad walking around Sheffield, wearing it. I know he's your biggest fan, Brian, isn't he? So proud. Yeah, he is my biggest fan. And to be honest, I think once I won it, it was in the case. I took it to my nan and granddad to say, look after that. Um, and I, don't, I, don't, I don't even think it was opened. I think he just kept it in, in his wardrobe. Um, you know, but I finally picked it up and I put it in my house. So, yeah, it's all good. How do you look back on, on that night against Sam Maxwell? Uh, a good win, an emphatic finish as well. How, how do you look back on that whole experience? Yeah, it was just good and 
for me as well, it's like once a fight's done, it's kind of forgotten. Um, I don't really sit back and, you know, probably dwell on my, my last fights. Probably once I've fought, it's like, what's next? Um, you know, that's just a distant memory now. Maybe when I come to finish my career, I'll look back and assess them better and realise what I've done and what I'm achieving. Um, but it's like once the fight's done, it's right, right on to the next. It's like, it never ends. You can't sit back and, you know, admire what you've done because there's always bigger and better things to do. There's a lot more to, to work. In terms of what is next, 15 fights in now to this professional journey. You're only 27, just turned. Are you getting used to the headline slot and the pressures that, that come with that now you've done it? You know, I think we were we we speaking about this off camera and <clears throat> to be honest, it's kind of, I kind of got used to it now. Um, probably the first time it was like, oh, Sheffield, it's the pressures on me, I'm in my hometown. Now it's just like, right, it's another fight. Um, and I said, you can't put pressures on yourself because um, it's, what is pressure? It's everything, what you build up in your head, that's all it is. Um, and at the end of the day, it's nothing different than another fight. Um, the opposition gets better, the levels go up. Um, so that's why I up my games. I, up, I put more into my training. Um, and for me, pressure is just what you put on yourself. Because um, that's all it is. What's pressure? It's just whatever you make up in your head. That's all it is. When you were looking at options for the next fight, because I know after Maxwell you said you feel like you're ready to be let off the leash now and take that step. I know you wanted the European title, but that, that was tied up in another fight, which we'll come on to, to talk about in a moment. But you were looking at the options. How did you fall with the team, with Eddie, on Jose Cepeda? Um, to, I think we, we was the one who actually decided to fight. Um, some names got put into a hat. Um, and I was just like, Zapita. Um, you know, this wasn't a fight. What got forced onto us? We was like, you know what? It's a good fight. That's going to put me right up there in the 140 pound division. Put put a big big statement on here on against Zapita, and um, you know I'm up there in the mix then. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. How big of a step up is this for you? Of course, Zapita, three-time world title challenger. Only been stopped in very good company. Lots of KOs as well from his wins. Yeah, exactly. He's got the resume. He's got the experience. Um, he's got the power. Um, and like you say, he's, he's boxed at a much higher level than I have as a professional. Um, obviously, he's a lot older than me. But, I mean, this is, these are the fights we've got to take. If we're going to be the best, especially in the 140-pound division, there's going to be no easy fights. Even to win a world title, um, or even a world title eliminator, um, there's no easy route. And... You know, I'm confident in my ability. I believe what I can do, go on and achieve. Um, and the, these are the these are the right fights to to get me there. Is that why you're taking on all challenges? Because every time a fight seemingly been mentioned to you, you've said, "All right." <laughs> is is that why you? Why do you have that that outlook and that attitude right now in your career? Because I feel I'm confident in my ability, and not only that, I'm not I'm not one of these guys where. You know, obviously you're winning, you're winning, winning. There's hype around you. I'm not one to believe my hype because I'm probably my worst critic. I'm just confident in my ability. I've done it from a young age. And, you know, and I don't want to be a fighter where my fans can turn around and say, wait, he doesn't fight anybody. Um, I want to go into, especially when I'm headlining in Sheffield and there's, you know, thousands of people coming out. Um, I've, I've got to put on a good fight for them. I've got, I've got to give them a fight to, you know, get their mouth wa uh, watering. Um, and also, Eddie's giving me the opportunities. Um, and I want to show people how good I am. So these are the fights I want to take, I want to be in. And there's not many young fighters coming up willing to take a challenge. They're, they're too scared of losing. Um, and it's like, look, if you're good enough and you're, and you're confident in your abilities, you're going to come through these fights. We'll pick that up again in, in just a moment once we're, we're done with Zapata chat. But what version of him 
are you preparing for? Obviously, I know you watched the, the fight with Richardson Hitchens last year, the Bridges Pro Grey fight. What version are you expecting to turn up in Sheffield? Obviously, I always expect the best version of the fighters turning up. Um, you've got to. You can't, you can't underestimate anybody, um, especially these type of guys. You know, they're, they're, they're experienced. Um, you know, they, they, they know the ropes. They're experienced and they know the way around the ring. Um, you know, so Peter's going to look at me and be like, who's this guy coming through? Um, and you know, that's what I want. I want to go in there and prove to people who Dalton Smith is. Um, so, yeah, I always expect for the best of the fighters who I'm fighting. And, you know, that mentally and physically, that's the best way I can prepare. I know he's a southpaw, which you, you've grown quite fond of, haven't you, over the years? Yeah, I always say, look, I like southpaws. Um, it's a little bit, he's got a little bit of different style to what the, the other southpaws I've recently fought. Um, but yeah, you know, we'll see see what else, what new 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 things you can can bring on fight night. I think one question, Dalton, everyone's going to have not critics, but reservations, and they're well, Dalton hasn't fought this fight or this fight or a fight with this style. Perhaps one thing people have talked about is how Dalton Smith will deal with a pressure fire, someone who's going to be on him from the first bell, try and force him back. Do you believe you might get that? Do you hope you might get that in this fight? Yeah, we'll see. We prepare for all aspects of what somebody's going to bring. Um, you can't just train and expect it to go one way. You know, if you might have a game plan and two, three rounds in, it's not working. You know, so you've got to go back to the corner and be like, right, we need to change things. So you, you've got to be able to adapt. And, you know, obviously, whoever you're fighting, whether this is a PD or my future opponents, they're going to come in with different tactics to what they have with previous fights. Um, so you've, you've got to be, you know, open-minded and, and expect anything what comes your way. What is this fight to you, do you think, and what does it represent? It's another fight. <laughs> it's another fight. Until the day I, I retire and finish, it's just another fight. Um, like I said before, I don't tend to put too much pressure on myself. Um, I just prepared the same I would for any other fight. Now, I know you're a businessman in terms of fighting, and you're going to be completely focused on this fight that's coming up on March 23rd, and rightfully so, by the way. But I'd be wrong if I didn't ask you about everything that's been going on with a certain Mr. Adam Azim with the European title purse bids being pushed back. He was on Sky Sports News. Did you see that interview? Did you watch it? Yeah, I did. Sky actually tagged me in the interview. Um, but yeah, these, especially every time me and Adam's going to do an interview now, it's, it's going to be mentioned. Um, you know, whether one's a bit more uncomfortable than the other when they get, they get asked about it. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable whatever someone has to ask me about that fight. You not think he is then? We'll see. Like I say, it's, it's irrelevant, but whatever you said earlier, it's a bit of a tongue twister. It's irrelevant, but relevant. Is that what I think I said irrelevantly relevant. Yeah, whatever. I can't say it. But whatever he says. Um, look, I've got, one I've got one focus on my mind. That's March 23rd. But look, I've stated, if the, when the purse bids get made, I'm, there, I'm, st I'm in that purse bid um, for the fight to be made. And we'll, if, if the fight don't get made, it's not because of me. Do you think he wants to fight you this year, right now? No. No. I don't think his team do either. You know, you can see where they come from as well, but look, we're both at the sta same stage in our careers. You can't say, oh, he's, he needs to develop. Look, he's, he's a European champion. He's calling, he's calling the bigger names out, but never mentions my name. Look, you've got to go through. If you want to get up there, you've got to come through me. So, but yeah, like I say, it's, it's irrelevant for me at the minute, but I'm always going to get asked about that fight. Um, and it's a fight the fans want, um, it's a fight what makes sense. So, 
We'll see. What's a harder fight on paper, do you think? Adam Azim or, or Zapeda right now for Dalton Smith? Zapeda. Zapeda's a harder fight than Adam Azim. That's no disrespect to Adam. Look, look there's no bad blood between me and Adam. We, we've never disrespected each other. It's just we're both at the same level and the fans are wanting to fight. Look, people say Adam's the best. Dalton's be the better one. Look, there's one way to find out and that's for us to fight. Um, but for me, Zapeda is a harder fight. And... And that's just the way it is. Zapida's um, experienced. He's proven himself at world level. Um, and like you say, it's a bigger test for me. Can you see why people have an opinion that when these fights arise in, in any division, domestic rivalry, so to speak, that strike when the iron's hot, not sit on them, just in case you know, anything could unfold, really? Do you follow that mindset that when, if the opportunity's there, let's just do it now, like Eddie says? Yeah, and I think me as a fighter as well, you're learning that professional boxing is a business. Uh, it's, not, it's not like the amateur days where it's like, oh, you fight, you get a trophy, that's it. It's a business. Um, and and I'm, I'm learning that still on the job. But, I mean, I've got a great team around me. Um, and like you said, I, what I've learned over the years is sometimes just fighting for a belt isn't what makes sense. Whatever the public whatever the public want and what fights they want to see, that's what makes sense. That's what makes most, the most money. Sometimes they don't even have to be a belt on the line. It's just if it's them two fighters, what somebody wants to fight, then then that's good business. Dream scenario then. You beat Zapata. The, the purse bids have been pushed back to the 1st of April, I believe, which is quite convenient in terms of time-wise after your March 23rd fight. Can we expect you to be in the ring doing your post-fight interview on the zone and mentioning that fight? Is that what you will turn your attention to immediately after? Yeah, because, you know... When I win on the March 23rd, that's going to be question what's what's put forward to me. Um, there's no other fight. That's the only fight what's everybody's interested in. So that's the only fight I'm going to get put on, put onto me. So yeah, we'll see. Now back to business. March 23rd. I think 12 of Zapeda's 28 knockouts have come in the first round. How switched on does Dalton Smith have to be in this fight? Switched as switched on as I am. Every fight I go into, it's it's the it's the fight game. It takes one shot. Um, whether that's the first round or the 12th round, you know, you can get hit anywhere in between those rounds. So, yeah, you've got to be switched on. Obviously, it's proven it can dig, um, but also I've proven I can dig. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a great fight. How do you see yourself winning? What, what's the dream scenario for you in this fight? First round knockout. <laughs> um, I don't think I've had a first round knockout yet, but uh, yeah, maybe it's the first. I think you have. I'm trying to think. I am. I don't think I have anyway. But in in terms of also making a statement, I mentioned some of the names he's been in with. Is that also in your mind when you're looking to break through into this world bracket? There are going to be comparisons that that are going to be drawn between yourself and other fighters. So is it in your mind to to perhaps make a statement, do it quicker, for example, than other fighters couldn't? Yeah. Look, like I say, it's all this what okay do this, do that. that that's putting pressure on yourself. But I just go in there and I prepare for the 12 rounds. Whatever happens in between that, whether it's I, get, I get the win earlier or whether it goes to points, look, anything else more than that is a bonus. I just know as long as I get the win, when I win, um, you know, we, we'll move on to bigger and better things. I know you've been happy with how the tickets are moving. Already asking for more. In, in terms of what the fans can expect. I know you, you don't always like calling them fans. You, you like calling them supporters because they're all extended parts of your family. You've always, you've always talked to what, about that. But what can you promise them? Without, like I say, putting pressure on yourself. But, but what's the message to the support, though? 
Look, it's going to be a wicked night. Um, and like I say, I could go an easier route to try and get to the top. But I don't. I take these fights because this is what entertains people. These are the fights what people want. Um, so, yeah, it just it excites me because I know it's going to be a buzz in that arena. And obviously, it's the tickets, what I've, I couldn't get any more tickets. Um, they were in high demand and they sold fast. Big shout out to Bri Brown, who sorts all them out. Um, he's the one who runs Dalton Smith tickets. So, so yeah, it's going to be wicked. Um, and it'll definitely not be disappointed. Dalton Smith, Jose Cepeda, April. No, not April. I've just messed up. I've done the whole interview and I've messed up the date. March 23rd, uh, live one place to watch it all. And that's the zone. Dalton, thanks for talking to us. I'll get stick for getting the date wrong from the zone. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Well, I think you probably listen to this podcast at home and you think, God, these guys are good. One take wonders. Scott, just um, do they? Just give us a little reminder of what the first uh, version of the intro sounded like. I'm your host, Jamie Ward, alongside producer Scott Hamilton, as always. And here's what we have coming up for you all on today's show. Ah, wrong one. Look, it's been a while, right? We haven't been in the office. <laughs> really enjoyed we've got, that. We've got a different setup, just for the listeners to give it a bit of context. We've got a different setup in the office than we than what we have on the road when we're in a fight week. So we haven't used this one probably for two months, maybe. <laughs> it's a bit Barker-esque, that. Yeah, it was. It was. I enjoyed that. Um, Scott, big news. We can't start, really, by not talking about the rematch. And we're going to be talking about a few rematches on this podcast today. But most importantly, Josh Taylor and Jack Catchell. Long been in the works. Um, I think behind the scenes at Matchroom... I wasn't 100% sure. I remember speaking to Eddie in Vegas if it was going to be on the zone. I wasn't 100% sure how things were going to plan out. But I think as a team, I see it as a statement UK fight. What are your thoughts? Definitely. Two years in the making. I believe yep. the anniversary is coming up in just a couple of weeks. I remember watching it vividly. and It doesn't feel like two years, but at the same time it does. When you think how long this has been dragging on, the social media spat has obviously been quite public. But like you say, yeah, massive fight for the zone and really can't wait to... See it unfold, starting with the press tour next week. We watched that in a little Irish pub in the O2. Do you remember? I think we had a fight. I think it was a fight week. I was about to say I remember watching it vividly. Then I when was you said that, I was on the zero percenters. You know, it's one of them. I think I actually watched it back, and I still think Jack Catchell won the fight. I thought he'd won it wider when I watched it live. Did you? You, you said you sort of felt the same way. Yeah, I think so. It's always good to watch a close fight back, similar to to maybe Smith and Ryder. My initial one-sided opinions. Actually, you strip it all back, take the emotion away, and probably watch it on your own more than anything. You know, you can easily be swayed with a mate or a family member who are chirping in as well. I think you do get easily influenced. So I, sen- I tend to watch fights back on my own, strip it back. I think it's also like emotional attachment. We know Jamie Moore, we know Nigel Travis really well. That was actually before Jack Catchell signed with Matchroom, of course. But, you know, it, that also definitely is a factor. And I think for, for Callum Smith, for John Ryder, there's certain members of the team who definitely probably would have felt one way or the other because of their relationship with those fighters. That is natural, I guess, though, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Saying that, you know, I'll get on pretty well with Josh Taylor, to be fair. The, the fight we'd done with him, what, four or five years ago, he was brilliant. So looking forward to having him back uh, in the fold, so to speak, in association with Top Rank, obviously. Well, half Scottish. So I have to, uh, yeah, I have to ask my dad who I should support. Where's your lot? He's going to lie here. Draw. Do a third. It's a good one. I just <laughs> hope they both get home safely to their to their families. All right, as always. <laughs> but um, I think the build-up, like you said, is going to be brilliant. I think that's part of the the intrigue about this fight is 
they really don't like each other. Well, the it's strap not. line is officially called "Hate Runs Deep." Yeah, it's I true. Think that's spot on to me. It's true. It's. I think it is personal. Look, I'll, I will be the first to admit. Sometimes in the, in this game, we love. We have to dramatize and we have to build narrative to dramatize. To Dramatize. Dramatize. I think it's drama, isn't it? It's a bit American. Dramatize. <laughs> we'll leave in. You know, we big these fights up. We 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 help with the storylines and we help get you guys invested. But I think this is one which sells itself, and they really don't like each other. These two, Jack um, Jack Catcher, obviously still feels very aggrieved. He believes he should have been undisputed world champion that day. Up in Scotland, Josh Taylor always has a lot to say, but I think he believes he can really make a statement in this fight and, and shut Jack up for good. And I think, you know, after speaking to Jamie Moore and Nigel Travis, I think they believe that Jack Cattrall can stop Josh Taylor in this fight. And you throw in Sam Jones and Eddie Hearn and all of them guys into the mix. It just, it promises a, a lively press conference. Yeah, you mentioned Sam Jones there. I think I've had about eight missed calls from him in the last 24 he hours. He loves this, doesn't he? Nine WhatsApps. He's, um, he's stoking the fire. But look, fair play to him in a way. Obviously, we're not privy to negotiations behind the scenes, but I would imagine he's been pretty heavily involved in, in talks over the last, what, three or four months so yeah, glad it's finally over the line. Glad we can get our teeth into it as early as next week on the on the press tour. And like you say, it's gonna I think it's gonna ignite. Yeah, can't wait for that fight. April twenty seventh, live on the zone. It is the rematch. Hate runs deep. Well, the action doesn't stop, of course. I look forward to the build up next week. Me and Scott will be bringing you all the action on the ground. Uh, from both press conferences in the build up to that fight. Cannot wait. I think the grand tour. There's a few rumours behind the scenes. Might be making a bit of a return as it did for Wood Warrington in that build-up, which proved to be brilliant as well. So I can't wait, roll on next week. But we're in Oaxaca as well. The team very much split up. But these Mexican shows, I've, I've watched them, and they always tend to be very competitively matched fights. Would you agree, Scott? 100%. I think in the last two or three years, a lot of the undercard fights in particular and the main events, always fireworks. Like you say, it's almost like doesn't matter about record. Let's just, I was going to swear then, let's just fight, basically. I think it's one of them ones we've said, how many times in this pod, the loser comes again, where yep. people are just willing to just go for it. Look at, you know, Nonshinga went away, away from home to win a world title, various undercard fights. I've been lucky enough to do two or three of them. Just always carnage, honestly. There will be at least one absolute banger on the undercard in addition to the main event. And Lara's back. Well, Good exactly. Good to see Bronco yeah. back as well. Anything can happen with him. I'm not sure about his new haircut. Have you seen mm. it? Like looks sil older. Silvery blonde sort of yeah, vibe going older. on. He does, yeah. Yeah, he looks older. But I'm still going to be in so many exciting fights, Lara. He's still 25 years old. I think people forget that. It might even be 24, to be fair. Yeah. Do you know what weight is that? I believe super, super fella. Yeah. Let me just and will that be the idea for him to campaign at 130? I think so. Yeah, he was After what happened. Well documented, wasn't it? He missed yeah. the weight. So I believe so. But I mean, even in the next couple of years, he can probably jump through the weights. Yeah. And just be in absolute chaotic fights like he always is. Yeah, and that, that rematch obviously is a repeat of the first fight in, in Monte Carlo last November. It was, you know, that atmosphere in that casino is very strange. You know, it's very quiet. It's quite eerie. I know Joe Cordino, who was the main event that night, said that, you know, he struggled to, to adapt to, to the change in atmosphere. It wasn't the, the cauldron of noise he'd been used to in Cardiff for the last two fights with Agawa and with Rakimov as well. But that was a stunning knockout from Adrian Carrillo, a man who on his record suggested he couldn't really punch. You know, Sivanati Nonchinga was talking about, you know, taking over that light flyweight division. And I just remember the, the mood in the casino. You could hear Tony Bellew on the comms desk just saying it's done. It was a, probably one of the more 
more eye-catching knockout wins of the year, I think. I mean, it's an absolute shocking knockout. Let's be honest. No one, and I mean no one, called that. And if you claim no. you did, I would call you a liar. That's why we love the sport, though, right? That's true, yeah. Those I mean, reminders. It's almost as if Curiel was shocked as well. There's that great shot of him on his knees sort of looking up at the grand ceiling in the casino. Obviously, his dreams had come true, but it also kind of felt like he was a bit shocked in, in his own in I his think own he time. was. Well, yeah. I think he'd only had maybe one stoppage before that fight in the last five, five years, years something, yeah. or something. So, you know, we knew he was a, a rough, tough Mexican, but perhaps not one that could necessarily punch or could carry that concussive power. So it was certainly a massive upset. So Imagine what that's going to do to his confidence levels yeah. going in here. Being at home, I don't know if you saw the scenes from yesterday's public workout. I think there was more people at the public workout yesterday than there has been at some of our events in Mexico. It was <laughs> four or five, in a good way, sorry. I'm, oh, I'm not, I'm not, no, it's not a detriment, <laughs> as in it was packed, like, genuinely. It was like four or five deep of tiered seating. It, it, was, uh, it was a <laughs> large turnout. I think Eddie will love you. So actually, I think I saw a message from Eddie saying that in the group. Maybe I nicked his line. Is that groundskeeper Willie? No, it's no, not. That's not. That's uh, Alex Tugabell, shout out. Well, I must admit, I'm quite glad I'm not there. As much as Mexico is a beautiful country, I think I might have mentioned on this podcast before, zero and two from the worst food poison of my life. Zero and two. Zero and two in You're Mexico. Um, turning into a bit of a, a journeyman on the Mexican shores. No, honestly, bad. Like I've only, I think I've only really had food poisoning twice. What was it, the old dodgy tacos? One of them was a, a shrimp, a shrimp enchilada, is it? That had been, I thought, was warm because it had just been cooked. But it turns out it had been out in the sun for about nine hours. Oh, dear. And I ate that. And it was one of them, I don't know if anyone's ever done this, where you eat something, and before you've even necessarily, like, just as you swallowed it, you just f- get a feeling. <laughs> I was just like, I, shouldn't, I should not have eaten that. I had one mouthful. Imagine I'd eaten the whole thing. Wow. I was in a bad, bad way, and the flight home was the next morning. <laughs> Put it this way, I had to speak to the BA staff when I got on the plane <laughs> and move my seat very close <laughs> to the toilet. It was not good. And that was like an 11-hour flight as well. And then the second time, Mexico City. It was a Mauricio Lara fight week. I think he boxed San Martin. Yep. And that was the same thing. In bed for three days in Mexico City. So bad. So I don't you, know what did it that time. Have you officially retired from Mexico? Yeah, that's it. Wow. That's it. Unless, you know, there's a massive fight. Oh, no. I don't, I don't think you want it now. I'll take my meal prep. I think if you're zero and two going into a big fight, you need to get you need to get a win on the card. You need to come back with a win. Maybe. So maybe, maybe you need to do one of the smaller shows. Earn my stripes. Well, what I'm annoyed about is everyone just keeps talking about how amazing the food is. And I love Mexican food. But let's talk about last week. Because I think I tweeted after the fight, you know, sometimes in boxing, good things do happen to good people. And I think there wasn't really anyone who wasn't over the moon to see Reese Pilotti win the British title. Apart from Liam Dillon. Apart from <laughs> Liam Dillon. Very good point. But do you know what? In a weird sort of way, speaking to him after, I think, yeah, you know, he conceded he could, to the fact He could that respect the fact. There was that, a yeah, lot of respect yeah. between the two of them, which was great to see after. I mean, you're going to have to go a long way this year to see a better fight. The first round just set the tempo, didn't it? And it was like, surely they can't keep this up for the full 12, but they did. I mean, yeah. the engines on both of them at fairly short notice as well. I think that's gone under the radar. A yeah, four-week camp or something? Four or five weeks, both. You know, obviously there was in the gym ticking over, but in terms of having the fight locked in, you know, less than six weeks. So credit to both guys, really enjoyed it. It was a rare occasion where I managed to actually watch the fight on the stage, actually. Um, you know, literally Great setup, feet it? away, wasn't it? It was yeah. crazy. It kind of felt in a way like the setup was a bit like a behind-the-closed-doors sort of show. Yeah, it did. I don't know I if you felt that as well. Yeah, Agree. But unbelievable. And you know, props to both guys. That's what a British title fight should be about. Yeah. Loved it. They did it proud. Yeah, I'm so pleased for Reese. You know, he's had a up and down couple of years and moved up in weight and suddenly he's got a bit of momentum now. East at super featherweight. <sighs> it's like almost I said to him afterwards, you know, you're kind of free rolling now, really. Like 
he would have probably got a career high payday. I don't know, but I'm assuming he did. You know, headlining a show for the British title. That was your career ambition. You've done that. Like, have a go at the European. If you, if you come short, you come short. You know, you've still got the, the British to defend. Quite like the little domestic 130 pound scene at the moment. Obviously, a, a fight. I think it's going to be a lightweight, isn't it, between Cameron Vong and Jordan Flynn? But Jordan Flynn, a super featherweight, really moving up, isn't he? To to one three five to fight Cameron Vong. That one got a little bit interesting in the ring. My mum, because uh, I was in the middle of the two, and Eddie was like, right, we can get this going a bit here. My mum texted me saying, I was a bit worried about you in the ring. I thought you were going to get knocked out. But thankfully, I didn't. It was, um, in a way, it was better than a head-to-head, in a way. That little spark. Yeah, uh, it was good. Know, I guess we kind of did get them head-to-head, but I didn't expect it to, to go off like that. But, you know, like you say, these little domestic dust-ups, there's so much on the line. So early in his career already, Cameron's. Jordan Flynn knows if he can win this, he takes out one of the matchroom, you know, brightest pos- prospects. And where does he go from there? So I think it's going to be a bit of fun, this build-up. You saw him yesterday? I saw Jordan Flynn yeah. bang up for it. Thinks it's a big mistake, thinks it's far too early. He says he's upset a lot of people in Oxford as well. <laughs> he actually did. He said that, and he, but he believes he's going to make him quit. Wow. That, that was a line that will make him quit in there. So it's, it's a really, it's an intriguing fight, and I think both of them deserve respect. A bit like what you said earlier, you know, both of them deserve respect really have taken a fight at this stage that neither of them needed to. So I think you deserve respect for that. And it's why it's got intrigue, right? Definitely. You can always say, like, almost say, sorry, um, Cameron stepped up in the fight before against Ishmael Ellis. Like, yeah. who, who at 3-0, and 4-0, has and taken them leaps already. Yeah. So a lot of respect for that. And the best man will win. Definitely. But I think with respect to Ishmael Ellis, this is a next level. Yeah, of course. So but certainly a level one from that. You'd almost have to rein him back. If he comes through that already, what's next? You could almost go through the levels too quick then. And then you miss out that that step in between. So that's where he's uh, he's trusty manager Sam Jones that we've spoke about already is going to have to uh, be shrewd, I would say, in the matchmaking. Definitely. So much to look forward to. And I will just give a special shout out just while I remember to Gaz Cabs. I know he Go is on, a Gaz. massive fan of the show. So shout out to Gary. He also... What, what does Gary do on a fight night, Scott? He's involved with the um, TV production, getting the fighters ready. You might have heard previously we spoke about this when the fighters get the knock, as they call it. To he say, gives the knock, doesn't he? Yeah, to say, you know, you've got two minutes, 30 seconds, and then almost usher them to the ring walk for TV purposes, get them in position at a certain time to line up with the commercials and things like that, and ultimately get them out the door. So, yeah, good to see uh, Gary, who doesn't do as many of our shows as he used to, but um, big friend of the pod, like you say. Definitely, and I know Gary always listens to the podcast while he's doing his round as a postman. So, shout out, Gary. Hope that brings a smile to your face, mate. And hopefully this pod delivers. That's <laughs> <laughs> Nice, <laughs> nice. Well, one fight I do just want to get one quick line on. Tajikistan. A final eliminator for the IBF World Super Featherweight Championship. Joe Cordina, of course, holds that belt. What a fight this is. Shavkat Rakimov, who you'll remember, boxed. Joe Cordina, Joe beat him to become two-time world champion last year in Cardiff. And Sugar Nunes, what an exciting fighter he is, Scott. This is going to be disgusting. Honestly, I think this is going to be knockdowns, blood, guts, thunder. Like you say, so much on the line. The mandatory shot for Joe Cordina. Nunes going into uh, Rakimov's backyard. I fancy an away day KO... Yeah, and sugar's going to become mandatory. And where can fans watch this one? Can't, I'm afraid. We were trying to do a deal with the local promoter to host a fight on our YouTube, actually. It's not on any network over here, and we couldn't get the deal done, I'm afraid. So you have to stay... Wow, a fight like that? Mm. Can't watch it. It's not even a main event either. It's what? not even the main event. Some random heavyweight fight is the main event. So I think it would be on in the UK with the time difference, probably about 5, 6 p.m. maybe. So we'll um, we'll put the, the result out on socials, and hopefully we can get a, a copy of the clip, one of our... Team members Tom is over there on the ground doing some work with Nunes. Hopefully he can 
get his phone out if there's a devastating knockout and we can share that far and wide. All right, pressure, Tom. Well, as I mentioned a little bit earlier on, the Matchroom team very much split this week. Myself and Scott manning the helm in the UK at Matchroom HQ. Josh Wright, our very own social media. What is, what's his role, Scott? You're his boss. He's like the all-round. He's like the Freddie Flintoff of Matchroom. <laughs> Good slip fielder, can throw, can bat and bowl. Yeah, pretty much very, very safe pair and solid pair and creative pair of hands. Absolutely. Shout out Josh Wright. Well, Josh sat down with former IBF World Light Flyweight Champion looking to become two-time IBF World Light Flyweight Champion this weekend in Mexico, live on the zone. Josh Wright meets Sivanati Nonchinga. Watch out the tacos, Josh. Sivanati, new haircut. You look a million dollars. Just a few nights away now from fight night. How are you feeling at this stage of fight week? Um, to be honest, I feel grateful, fit, ready. And yeah, I'm just looking forward. Uh, you know, it's a redemption time. Just looking forward to take my title back. And yeah, with me and um, go back to South Africa as a victorious person. Why was it so important for you to jump straight back into this rematch? You know, I've just we just we sat down as a team, the whole team, my management, um, and then Colin Nathan, my father, Mastro Boxing. And then we had to sit down and see, like, um, when we saw that the last fight we made just a slightly mistake. So, yeah, you know, it's part of the game at the end of the day. Um, it, those things happen. But you got to take your losses uh, on your chin and chin up and get back to the gym again. And, and, and you know, we couldn't miss um, such a big and a great opportunity. And also, I remember the day I lost the fight, I told them that I won their match. So it's more than personal for me this time around. How, if you just take your mind back to the days and weeks that followed that first fight, how, how tough were those moments? Yeah, um, they were tough, but I'm such a strong person, you know, like mentally, physically, or even emotionally. So I had to be there for myself more than anything else and just surround myself with positive people, you know, my team. And I remember Colin, when I lost the fight, he told me that um, I should feel the pain two days and then after that, I must go back to my, to my old self and, and believe. And he'll make sure that um, I become one of the great boxers. And I just knew that uh, dreams delayed are not dreams denied. So, yeah. When you think about that moment, they do say that you learn more in defeat than in victory. What have you learned about yourself in this whole process? I've learned a lot of stuff about me as a person, you know, and about the sport, you know, about life. So it was such a, um, a difficult time for me, but also a learning curve because now I know better. I know that I can fall down just like everybody. But I believe that uh, falling down is part of life and getting back up is living. So yeah, I'm here again. And I want to promise everybody that I'll become a world champion once again. 
What, what would that moment mean to you? You've tasted being a world champion already to become a two-time world champion. I can see you smiling already. What, what, would that, what would that mean to you? You know, at the age of 25, I'm only 25 years old. So being, 20, being a, a two-time world champion is such a great achievement. Um, so yeah, I'm just looking forward to it. And yeah, I'm ready, man. I'm ready. You, you won your world title here in Mexico. How, does, how much confidence does that give you? Because a lot of people maybe find it daunting to go into the champion's backyard, but you know what it takes to win here. That must give you so much confidence. You know, I love challenges. I love to overcome challenges because I believe challenges, they, 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 they form us to be the person that we are at the end of the day, you know? So I don't, have, I, I don't feel under pressure at all, you know? And, and, and yeah, I don't fold. And, and, and yeah, I'm just great to be here, you know? Um, I love the atmosphere, you know? The last time I was here, we gave the best for ourselves inside that ring. Um, and I, I got the victory, so I'm even more, um, like, um, I'm even um, more grateful, you know, for the, for the opportunity, because being here uh, for the second time means a lot to me and, and, and also fighting for the same title. You know, so I'm, I'm confident enough that I'm, yeah, I'm gonna bring it back. You had to dig deep that night against Hector Flores. Have, have you had to dig deeper as, as well in this camp? There are always tough, tough times in camp, but have you had to dig deep? Yeah, I know I've spot with a lot of experienced boxers back at home, you know, the likes of Hecky during uh, preparation of that fight, DJ Creel, Moro Talani, so they took me in such, into deep waters. And then, yeah, I came on top, you know, um, which is, it takes me back to where I said, I love challenges. I love to swim with big sharks so that I can test myself, I can test my limits, you know. And I believe that uh, not even the sky is the limit for me. Adrian Curiel, I'm sure, is confident heading into this week, but what version of you should he expect on Friday night? Um, he should expect, um, you know, a positive, the special one was positive, you know, fearless, you know, sharper than ever, you know, and he must bring his A game because I'm expecting a good and a clean fight and the fight is going to be entertaining like the whole boxing fraternity of Mexico. Yeah, that's what I want to do. I want to step inside the square and, and you know, and, and make history and become one of the Hall of Fame in the sport of boxing. And in your mind, if the very best Sivanati Nanshinga turns up, what does that look like in terms of, of a performance? You no, know, nobody can stay in camp for a period of three months and then expecting um, 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 a loss, you know? So I'm gonna bring an aching, you know, we've planned. I won't say much how we're gonna beat him, but we'll beat him up. That's what I can say. I'll, I'll grab my title back and once again I'll prevail. Sivanati, thank you so much for your time. Wish you the very best of luck on Friday night. Thank you so much. Well, it's interesting. When young prospects turn over, they're always eager to please. They're always eager to impress. And, and most of them will tell you they don't always go looking for the knockout. But sometimes it comes when they're at their most relaxed. The one young star of tomorrow who has certainly proved that is very much the case is young Giorgio Vizioli, two fights, two knockouts, almost carbon copy shots as well in the way you've set them up and the way you've delivered that left hand to your opponents as well. Giorgio, welcome to the show. I guess, is it fair to say life's going pretty good for you so far as a professional? 
yeah, um, it's it's quite exciting times. Um, I didn't really expect my uh, pro career to go this way, really. Um, I thought I'd just uh, get the decision, you know. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm over the moon, really, and and uh, looking for bigger and better things in the future. What have you noticed about how life has changed for you so quickly already, George? Have things been quite different for you when when you're just walking around doing your day to day stuff as well? Yeah, definitely. Um, just like even on fight week like it's just totally different like, I've never expected I never had an experience like it before like all the you know the mini van, the, the mini buses everywhere just all the cameras I weren't really in the amateur you don't really get any of that you're sitting in the sports all day but no life changed really like on, the, on weekends I was working at McDonald's and now I'm, I'm fighting in big arenas so um, it's just changed pretty well it's pretty, it's pretty cool to my life's pretty much changed this, uh, over, the, over this year you're not missing, um, not missing McDonald's then. I take it at the minute. Absolutely not. No <laughs> way. <laughs> what, what were the sh- no, what, was... what were the shifts like, and, and when did you actually when when did you give that up, Giorgio? Um, I gave that up um, after on the second ABA. No, uh, when I when I got first got signed, when I got signed for match, I gave it up. And um, yeah, no, I, I don't miss that at all. The shit, I worked on weekends to pay for my travel up to Repton because I, I was traveling like um, an hour and a half. Uh, every pretty much every day, so I needed to travel up to London because it was quite expensive. Um, some days I was bunking the trains, getting in trouble, but uh, <laughs> uh, everything had to be done for a reason. But no, I don't miss McDonald's at all. What a great story, though! What a great story. Maybe, yeah. maybe one day you you might get some sponsorship out of it. What do you think? They might name a burger after you. Uh, I don't know about a burger, but uh, actually the surname could be all right. I wouldn't mind it, but I wouldn't mind a sponsor from them. I wouldn't say no. <laughs> in terms of uh, in terms of this year, George obviously started brilliantly in, in Belfast. When you landed that shot, like I remember what they said on commentary, it was almost like a copy and paste of what you did in Dublin yeah. as well last year. What what was going through your mind immediately? Was it sort of like, oh my god, I've done it again? What was going through your mind? Yeah, it's really like I remember the first time I was like proper gobsmacked. Like I'd, I've never knocked anyone out before, but the second time I was like, I don't know. I was, to be honest, it's more. It's just like a. I don't know. It's like a dream, really. How, how my career, my, my pro career started. Um, but no, I. I don't know. It's hard to explain. Uh, but no, when I landed that shot, um, yeah, I can't really explain. It's really if that makes sense. What, what do you <laughs> think's the difference, Giorgio, from the pros to the amateurs? What What is helping you to to knock the opponents out in the way that you are? To be honest, I think it's the the um, the experience I've had in terms of fighting, not just boxing, but in kickboxing. I've had a lot of experience. In kickboxing, I used to do a style called point fighting, which was in and out, reaction times, first one to score. And that's really helped me in the boxing, I think, in where I've um, I've timed my shots. Like, even in the last, in my last fight in Belfast, um, I used my feet um, to time him on to, sh- to walk him onto a great shot. So, um, yeah, no, I think uh, the amateur and my kickboxing has really helped me uh, in the pro scene um, a lot right now. And in terms of news, in terms of this year, you're hopeful for for an active year. Is that very much the aim? When can we expect to see you back in the ring, do you hope? Don Smith on the card in Sheffield, that one, I'm on the 23rd. And after that, just, just more, and plenty of fighters as I can. Well, <laughs> what I would say to you, and is what I exactly imagine Mark Tibbs is saying, just keep doing what you are doing. Because so far, it's, uh, it's going very well. We look forward to seeing you back in the ring, Giorgio. We are going to move now to the business end of this chat, which is the Coach Trip Challenge Quiz. Now, essentially, the idea is, how well do you know the man in the corner? How well do you know the gaffer, Mr. Mark oh, Tibbs? <laughs> uh, the questions are a bit obscure, um, which we will yeah. reveal very soon. So I'm going to hand over to Scott, 
who's going to ask these questions. So best of luck, right. Giorgio. Are, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready, yeah. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Thanks, Jamie. As we mentioned off camera, Giorgio, you got a big shoes to fill here. Last time out, we had Cameron Vong, who scored 9 out of 10, which is incredible. So good, good luck, mate. It's a multiple choice, A, B or C. 10 questions yeah. about Mark Tibbs. If you're ready, go. We'll start with question number one. Yeah, I'm ready, yeah. Who is Mark's favourite fighter of all time? Is it A, Nigel Ben, B, Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali, or C, Lennox Lewis? I don't know. It could be Nigel Ben because he, he trained, his dad trained him, uh, Jimmy. Uh, oh, shit. Sorry, my language. Um, <laughs> Maybe that's a red herring. <laughs> that's, a, that's a minus point. <laughs> uh, I've said it again. I know. Um, I think B. I think B. It's a good job you said B. B. Got it right. One for one. Well done. Off and running, Giorgio. One, one nil. Come on, here we go. Keep it up. Question number two. What's Mark's favourite fight of all time? Now, a little disclaimer. He did say there are too many, but we managed to get him to just pick one. So here's the three options. Is it A, yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard versus Marvin Hagler? Is it B, Billy Joe Saunders versus Chris Eubank Jr.? Or is it C, Anthony Joshua versus Vladimir Klitschko? A, but 100%. He sent it to me before on this time. Two from two, correct? Yeah. Cameron Vaughn, watch out. Here we go. Question number three. <laughs> Excluding boxing, who is Mark's sporting hero? Is it A, Alan Shearer, <clears throat> B, John McEnroe, or C, Frankie Dottori? So we've got football, tennis, and horse racing there. Oh, my God. Oh, uh, it's going to be a guess. B. Oh, he's got it right. He's got it right. Here we uh, go. He meant, oh, you know what? He, uh, he actually mentioned tennis before we left the gym today. He mentioned, I love watching tennis. I thought, is he it, is it, is it, is it tennis, John McEnroe? I don't know. He yeah. is, yeah. Is it? Yeah, spot on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that was, yeah, yeah. Do you know, uh, do you know what this is, though? Do you know what this is, Giorgio? That's a clue. Yeah, he's, he's a clever man, Mark Tibbs. He knew you were doing this quiz today. He's planted that. Well, let's see if he's planted anything else miraculously in your post-gym chat. Here we go. Question number four. What is Mark's favourite song? Now, before I give you the three options, the listeners may recall Mark has quite a varied taste in music. Here we go. This is so odd, Matt. He's talking about this all today. He's talking about music today as well. Oh, hang on. Right, Mark Tibbs is, yeah, <laughs> this, is, this is an inside job gonna, here. We're getting Mark Tibbs immediately on the show after this to, to quiz him. By the way, if you get 10 out of 10, your chosen charity can't be the Mark Tibbs Foundation. This sounds a bit, it's a bit suspect to me. Here we go. Question A. Uh, sorry, answer A. Is it Ricky, Ricky Martin living the Vida Loca? Is it, is it B, Enrique Iglesias, hero, or is it C, Julio Iglesias, to all the girls I've ever loved before? I don't know any of them. I've never heard of any of them. Um, oh, I'm going to guess B. I don't know. Oh, you incorrect. got it wrong, I'm afraid. I'm incorrect. Uh, if you would have gone I for don't... C, Julio Iglesias, which is the father of Enrique, who you said B, you would have been right. And that is Mark's favourite singer ever, Julio Iglesias. Okay, have, a little, have a little look on YouTube later. Legend. All right, I will do it. Yeah. Not my cup of tea either, though, to be fair. Question number five. Right. What's Mark's favourite holiday destination? Is it A? Oh, no. Oh, okay. Do you want to guess oh, before? Was he talking to you about where he's gone on holiday <laughs> as well today, by any yeah, chance? Is it, is it, tell you what he did today. He said, I love going to Spain, but I want to... Uh, I, want to, I, want to I love Spain, but I want to try Italy. 
This is so an I, absolute stitch-up. Mark Tibbs. Honestly, I swear he said that's today. Well, hang on. Well, you, you got it right already, so we don't even need to read them out. Spain is the correct answer. The, this is where I think the next question is the one. If he mentions this, there might have to be a serious <laughs> what's, inquest. What's really funny, Giorgio, is that you said... <laughs> You, you couldn't get away from Mark today after training because he just kept talking and talking. <laughs> all he was doing is giving you all the answers to the quiz. This is my, fav- my favourite one ever. Here no we go. Doubt. Question number six. If you get this right, and Mark's mentioned this to you. <laughs> Here we go. What's Mark's favourite takeaway? Is it A, Indian, B, Chinese, or C, Turkish? Oh, I don't know this one. Um, Turkish. No, I don't know. So um, you're all in C out. So you're going to go. I'm thinking about, thinking about the Chinese because of the Johnny Fisher thing. I don't know. Uh, I'm going to go A, um, Indian. Well, by process of elimination, you've got it right. Good shout. It is Indian. I, I actually feel like Mark's in the corner of the room, like <laughs> <laughs> making faces at you, Georgia. Here we go. Question number seven. Where does Mark do his food shopping? Is it A, a Sainsbury's? B, Tesco, or C, Waitrose? Ooh. He always, uh, he always comes with an Audi bag. <laughs> <laughs> That's, <right>. That's brilliant. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> I, I think Waitrose is quite posh, isn't it? Um, oh, gosh. I, I feel like it's Waitrose. Yep, you got it right. Spot on. Well, as it stands, if you get the next three right, you will be level pegging with Cameron Vong. So let's see how you get on in the last three. Question number eight. What's Mark's shoe size? Now, disclaimer, he he says he's in between sizes sometimes. So we've grouped the two numbers. So is it A, seven and eight? Is it B, eight and nine? Or is it C, nine and ten? He's let me borrow his shoes before. So um, I'm going to go with A. Yeah, definitely. It's got to be. It's the wrong answer, I'm afraid. Oh, What? Wait, so, can't how, be. so so is Mark lying about his shoe size? He's he let me borrow. He let me borrow his Asics once. They definitely weren't eight or nine. <laughs> <laughs> what size fit are you, Giorgio? I've, I've got a really small fit. I got, I'm a seven. Question number oh, nine: yeah. When is Mark's birthday? Is it A. May the seventh, B. May the seventeenth, or C. May the twenty seventh? So we've. I know this. I think I know this. Um... May the seventh. He's got it right. How did you know yeah. that? You sent him a birthday card last year. No, I haven't even known him. Oh, they won. Don't know why. <laughs> um, and I remember it being in May. And I, my dad's birthday is the twentieth, and I don't remember it being that close to my dad. So I, it's just, I knew it was. It weren't that late. I know. We, yeah. I, I, yeah. I know it was seventh. I knew it was the seventh. I looked up before. Love that. For some reason. Right. Last question. Here we go. What is Mark's pet hate of you? So, what do you do that he dislikes? So, and he told you, he what, told you, my pet. We find out. So, is it is it a zero? I embrace pet hates. Is it B? You need more rounds, or is it C? You're slow to text back. So that ain't me. I'm, I'm definitely not slow to text back. Uh, the A. I know it's A. I know it's something he'd say. <laughs> yeah, you got it right. Spot on. So you scored, yeah. you scored eight. Giorgio, Giorgio, congratulations. I mean, after your star-studded performances so far, yeah. where, where does this achievement rank for you? I'd rank, well, I don't know, just below the, AB, the, the second ABAs. I think that 
got a lot of beating, I think. I don't know what I just... Yeah, that was a big achievement, winning the ABA twice, so... Just below it, but... Um, I haven't won that much in the... I haven't won anything in the pros yet, but... Um, yeah, that's... It's got a lot of beating to uh, see my national championships. I don't know why, but... Um, yeah. Well, one thing I will say, Giorgio, I have absolutely no doubts that the accolades are going to stack up, the belts are going to stack up. Invest in a trophy cabinet now, because I have no doubt that the pro titles are going to be coming your way very, very soon. Uh, Giorgio, thanks for taking part. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for your time. We look forward to seeing you back in the ring soon. And believe me, Mark Tibbs will be getting a stern telling off next time I see him. (laughs) All right, nice one. Cheers, mate. Cheers, Giorgio. Well, that's it for today's show. Thanks to our guests, Dalton Smith, Giorgio Vizioli, Adi Oladipo, and of course, Sivanati Nonchinga. Don't miss the big rematch from Oaxaca in Mexico. Curiel Nonchinga 2, live on Design. We'll be back next week. Big news dropping. We'll see you then.